0: Does God have meaning for our sufferings? Is there purpose in why and the way that we suffer? The biblical answer is absolutely yes. I'm Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you today to Awakened to Grace. I am preaching a very personal and a very meaningful sermon. It's entitled Unhurried Suffering. It's part of a broader series called The Unhurried Life. And, you know, I preached this sermon only months After going completely blind, I lost all eyesight in both eyes. And as my family, as my marriage, my children, as my church, as my life adjusted to life in blindness, oh, friends, I found exactly what Paul said to be true. God's grace is sufficient. I can't wait to share today's sermon with you. And if it speaks to your heart, I'd love to know it. Emailed me today, Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Let's go to God's Word and let's grow and let's learn together. How do I reconcile what God is doing and what Satan is doing? How do I know if I'm suffering at the hand of God or if I'm suffering at the hand of Satan? How do I know the difference? That's the premise of today's talk. and That's why I think Satan's fought this message so hard. Because if you and I can distinguish, if you and I can recognize, if you and I can reconcile the difference between what God has appointed and what Satan is trying to do, then we'll know how to respond rightly. And by today, at the end, I'm going to show you, based out of the book of James, how you can distinguish between the two and how you can respond rightly. So it says, count it all joy, evaluate, uh, financial term, calculate. That's literally what it means is calculate what God is doing. That reminds me of Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13 and 14. Consider the work of God. Consider what God's doing in your life. The same God who made the day of prosperity is the same God who creates the day of Adversity. They are the same. You know what that tells me? That tells me my days may change, but God doesn't. My season of life may change, but God doesn't. And that's why I can look directly to the hand. I can look directly to the goodness. I can look directly to the grace and the strength and the power and the might of God. Because while my circumstances change all the time and my days change all the time, God doesn't. He's consistent. Consider the work of God. Calculate what God is doing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter. Now, I love this word encounter because it means a scheduled appointment. Where I'm unable to see right now my schedules change. I can't keep a calendar like I used to. I can't write appointments down like I used to. So now I'm so dependent upon my little Google device. So a brother called, I'm I'm on a board of another ministry, and they called yesterday, and we have a board meeting uh, Friday at 2 o'clock out of town. As as soon as I got off the phone, I had to say, okay, Google, add to my calendar. Then she says, what would you like to add? Board meeting, what day? Friday, what time? 2 p.m. Got it. Board meeting, Friday, 2 p.m. Would you like to save it? Yes. That's how I do my calendar. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. And now I'm able to go through and say, okay, Google, what's on my calendar Wednesday? Okay, Google, what's on my calendar Thursday? Okay, Google, what's on my calendar Friday? And it's able to keep my scheduled appointments that way, and it tells me so I can keep track of who I'm meeting with and what time the meetings are and so on and so forth. And this is the exact kind of language that the Bible uses when it says, do you not know that the trials that you face in life, they're not mishaps, they're not miscues, it's not God being cruel to you. It's not God just playing with your emotions. No, my friend, they are scheduled appointments. Our trials are not only allowed by God, but they are appointed by God. And if that is the case, then my friend, do you not think God knows precisely what he's doing in your life? And that he doesn't know where you are right now and what you're facing. Oh, yes, he does, because, my friend, he scheduled the trial. Let me tell you what it tells me in my circumstance right now. The Bible, listen, if the Bible so tells me, Chad, this is a scheduled trial for you. Chad, this is a scheduled season. It's on your God divine calendar. This is what God has already scheduled. Then that tells me there's an ending to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what does God want for me to count it as all joy? Why? Because I have confidence. God's not picking on me. God's not messing with me. God certainly has not abandoned me. He has me right on time, right on schedule. And so he has your life on time. And he has your life on schedule. And that's why Peter says, beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trials that you're encountering. Don't think those things strange because God has you right on time, right on schedule. And then he says, when you encounter various trials. Oh, I love that word. How many of you ever face various trials? One thing goes wrong and then another thing goes wrong and then another thing goes wrong. Ever been in one of those? Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Amen? Because God has you right where He wants you. And God's going to help you. Let me prove it to you. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. <clears throat> now beginning in verse eight and verse nine. Paul is explaining that God has given him a thorn in the side. I find that fascinating. <clears throat> I don't, uh, my goodness, to be able to say I've been given, I've been given something. <laughs> I think I would have used the word, I've been struck by <laughs> I've been overtaken by, I've been assaulted by, I've been attacked by. But no, Paul says, I've been given. Point number one today, point number one, suffering is an invitation to the power of Christ. Suffering is an invitation to the power of Christ. Notice what Paul says, I've been giving a thorn in the side, a messenger from Satan. because of the surpassing knowledge and that I wouldn't grow conceited. And he goes on and explains there. But then notice what he says. When he prayed, he actually says he pleaded with the Lord three times to remove it. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, no, notice... Notice what he says here, this is so beautiful. It's in our weakness that God's power is made evident. And watch what he says, verse 10. So for the sake of Christ then, not for my comfort, notice that, he doesn't say for my comfort, for my pleasure, for my luxury, for my convenience, for my happiness. No, not even in the equation. For the sake of Christ, then I am content. And look what he says. With weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Now, you know as well as I do, you don't hear that kind of language from pulpits anymore, do you? You don't hear pastors preach about the cup of suffering that we sometimes have to endure. While I certainly think God desires to bless our life, and God does bless our life, and the Bible teaches that all good things come from above, and I believe that. There is also the biblical truth that Christians in this life will suffer. And my question for us today is how do we know when the suffering is from God and when the suffering is from the enemy? How do we know what to accept and what to rebuke? How do we know what to endure and what to abandon? How do we know? Well, I think you and I have to have a careful, balanced, biblical view. And when we have that biblical view, we'll know how to respond. In other words, we'll know what to accept, we'll know what to rebuke, we'll know what to endure and carry our cross through, and what to change in our life and walk away from and abandon. Does that make sense to you today? And I'm gonna show you with clarity how you can know the difference between the two that you can respond rightly. Now, in this case... Paul is talking about suffering, and notice how he defines suffering. He defines suffering as weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. That's how he defines sufferings. And then I want you to notice what he says. I am content with these things. That's a statement of incredible Magnitude just right there. I am content with these things. Why? Because notice what he says. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, isn't that an incredible statement? For when I am weak then I am strong. He's saying I can be content with these things because that's not what brings me pleasure in life. That's not what brings me joy in life. That's not what brings me happiness in life. What brings me the greatest satisfaction is that Christ is made strong through me. Therefore, I'm content with whatever hardship I face, whatever insult I face, whatever calamity comes my way. I'm content. Why? Because my joy... Is found in Christ and his power through me. Now, if you mark in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle the words when and then. When I am weak, then I am made strong because there's a beautiful link a biblical link here see i used to view this i thought this came in different segments like i thought okay i might go through a season where i feel very weak but then then the lord helps me and now i feel very strong and then there may be another time where i feel so weak and then and, and then god will come and help me and then i may begin to feel strong again but i don't that's not the that's not the link here Do you know what Paul is saying here? This is concurrent. This is happening at the exact same time. Paul is saying, when I am weak, because I recognize why I suffer, I recognize why I face hardships in life, why calamities come. When I'm weak, then that's when I'm strong because of the strength that Christ brings. It's not two different seasons. It's not two different times. They're happening together at the exact same time in concurrent with one another. When I am weak, then I am strong. The then is happening when the when is happening. And they're together. Amen? Do you accept that into your life? Can you receive that into your life? Can you say, yes, when I am weak, then I am made strong. See, Paul said something remarkable in Philippians. He said that I might know you in the power of your resurrection. Most Christians today would say, sign me up. Praise God. That's exactly what I'm looking for. That's that's what I want. The power of Christ's resurrection inside me, yes. But don't miss the next phrase. And in the fellowship of his suffering. In our culture today, we know nothing of this, do we? Because I don't have to belabor the point, but you know as well as I know, we will spend our last dime to make ourselves comfortable. Not only will we spend our last dime, we'll go into great debt to make our lives pleasing and comfortable and joyful. What would happen if you and I flipped to that view and said, life is not about me being comfortable, life is not about me being happy, one of the greatest lies that, that Satan is telling Christians today is God just wants you happy. And that is a lie. That is a lie. God wants you blessed. And that's a whole different level of happiness. My little two-year-old right now is in the worst terrible twos that I've ever seen any kid be in. It is awful, awful. And if I just want my little boy happy, what am I going to do? I'm going to ruin him for life. Then the rest of y'all are going to have to live around him, right? (laughs) You ever heard that saying, please raise your kids right, because the rest of us have to live with them. If all I wanted to do was make him happy, I would ruin him. No, I want him to be mature, I want him to grow out of this. I want him to be responsible. I want him to be a pleasant person, not someone who all he wants is his own happiness. That will ruin him. And for you to believe the lie that God just wants you happy, oh, my friend, that will ruin you. And Satan knows it. No, God will take you through seasons of suffering. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon you. See, I find that interesting. Paul says that here in 2 Corinthians 12. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, what is his power? See, right now, I look at my situation of blindness. And I not only believe, I know in my heart, I know, I know that God could change my circumstance like this. Oh, he could change it. Just one word. God could say, Enough, and my eyes would open. I was r- listening last night to the book of Acts and where Paul. Uh, was blind for three days after his conversion, and Ananias came and laid hands on him. And the Bible says that when he said, Brother Saul, the same Christ that appeared to you on the road to Damascus and shone a bright light is the same Christ who sent me to you. And when he laid his hands on him, the Bible says that something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And I'm telling you, when I heard that, I mean, faith just hit my heart. And I said, oh, God, let me regain my sight. Amen. You did it for Saul. Let me regain it. Amen. And I know with my whole heart that in just a moment, in just an instant, with one word, God could just change this. Just like that. But what is his power? What's this power of Christ resting upon me? Could it be that more so than God showing his power for now, rather than God showing his power through the physical healing, that God wants to change so much about me and his power at work within me? Could that be the case? See, what you don't know, Because you can't know. You don't know the things, the areas that God's working in me. That I don't tell anyone. Because they're only between me and the Lord. You can't see those things. I can't see them in you. You certainly can't see them in me. But could it be that before God wants to change my circumstance. That his power is going to truly change me. I think that's what Paul means by the power of Christ resting upon me. The power to not circumvent and go around the hardships of life. But the grace and the power to go straight through them. Do you understand what I'm saying today? My grace is Sufficient. Suffering, insults, calamities, hardships, persecutions, weaknesses. I love that Paul says, I'll boast in my weakness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great preacher of the 1800s, he so masterfully said, You know, one of the only things that God doesn't have is weakness, (laughs) and that's why he wants ours. And when we bring our frailty and we bring our weakness and we present it to the Lord, then that's when Christ is made strong in us. So I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. Why am I content for the sake of Christ that he might be glorified in me? Number two today, not only does suffering invite the power of Christ into our life, it's the when and the then working together. When I am made weak, then I am made strong. But number two, suffering prepares us for eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul calls his afflictions light and momentary. <laughs> now, this is difficult. Light and momentary. I don't think it's wise for you to call someone else's afflictions light and momentary. But can you call yours light and and momentary. When you and I face hardships. Or we face calamities. When you and I walk through seasons of suffering. is Are those the terms that you and I would use. For our season of suffering. Light and momentary. See this is the right biblical view of suffering. And if you can gain this. My friend, you will have a unique opportunity to glorify God unlike any other opportunity that comes along in your life. Light and momentary. Why is it light and momentary? Because look at the next phrase. He says, this this prepares us for an eternal weight of glory. An eternal weight of glory. Of glory. What's he saying? He's saying, compared to eternity, what I'm facing in life, it's light and it's momentary. The days of suffering I face is nothing compared to eternity. Not only is it light compared to the weight, it's momentary compared to the length of time. Amen? So, the current circumstance you're in, or the next trial that you face, Or the next calamity that you encounter. Can you call it light and momentary compared to what God's preparing you for? Could it be that these little boxes of 24 hours a day that each of us are given are but moments of preparation for an entire eternity? Think about that. You say, Chad, what's the point? Hear me. Here's my point today. My point is, is that the suffering that you face in life is not meaningless. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awakened to Grace weekly sermons.